0: And a lot of people ask me, Richard, how on earth did you get through a full Ironman with stage four brain cancer? And it's quite a cool answer. Um, the same way everybody else did. There were no special rules for the cancer guy. There was no shortened yes. distance because I had swim cancer to the first boy. That's what it is, exactly <laughs> what it is, you know? Yeah. And, and every single person doing something like that, every single person getting through COVID 19, every single person getting to the other side of lockdown is doing it the same way everybody else does. And that's one day at a time. But it's what you do with that time um, that really means something. And to me, that, that's what it was. My focus was on my thinking and um, on what I could do with that thinking. And the thinking for me was, was what, what are the actions? What is this thing I need to do that is going to help me inside my head? Yes. And that yes. Definitely, definitely was I Man. I think what happens is the more we fight something, whether it's COVID-19, whether it's lockdown regulations rules, whether we think they're nonsensical or not, doesn't matter. When we're fighting these things that we are held hostage by, I think we become more of a victim of that thing. And there is, as you know, a massive power in accepting the things that you can't change and saying, okay, that is what it is. Yes. And yeah. trying to figure out what it is that I can change.
1: Hi, welcome to the High Performance Athlete Podcast, the show designed to help you compete at your highest potential. My name is Mike Roscoe, the owner of SBR Sport. Over the years, I've worked with both runners and triathletes, from Comrades Gold medalists to podium level triathletes. I'm looking forward to having you on this journey with me, where we're going to speak to a lineup of experts doctors sports psychologists professional athletes and other thought leaders who will give you the tools and mindset needed to perform on a whole new level make sure you've subscribed to this podcast to catch all new episodes and share it with your friends and training partners We with Richard Wright. You're listening to the High Performance Athlete podcast. Uh, Richard has got has had an amazing career as a triathlete. Um, just give us a cup a little bit of a background. You had one year where you had a cracker Ironman.
0: Hi there, Mike. Thanks for having me on your uh, podcast. I really appreciate that. Always good to get to chat to you. Um, so yeah, I had a, I was really lucky to have been. Um, gifted with a bit of talent and working really hard and had a couple of good years in triathlon my best ever ironman was um, ironman south africa 2008 i'm um, 16th overall first amateur athlete across the line won my age group beat a bunch of pros um, and yeah, life was good at that point in time qualified for world champs and that same year set a course record, I think, which still stands for the 70.3 East London.
1: I remember I was there and you were there my we swim coach at the time <laughs> and you were killing all of us in the water. And I think that record does stand. Do you remember what the time was for that?
0: sure uh, I don't remember what the time was. I just know I came 11th overall. Yep. Uh, I wasn't even sure where I was. I, I was racing against amateur athletes so i wasn't quite sure where i was in the overall standings um and that's one of the races i still look back and think that might just have been the one instance i could have got a top 10 in in a major international race yeah Um, but didn't but anyway so i had a couple of good years after that and then started working flat out and traveling all over the place and uh, triathlon took a bit of a back seat and i just dabbled for a number of years yeah
1: Um, I know of two guys that have really gone hard after that record. And they've all come like two minutes short. And I think the important thing for for people to understand, especially with your Ironman, is that um, you had a whole bunch of international pros that still came in behind you. And yet you had a full-time job. um, You had a family. So uh, somehow you managed to fit that in. So that's that's an incredible record. And since then, I mean, you've done some amazing things. You've done 361, 361 mountain bike challenge, you've done a number of Ironmen, things like that. All right, then your story takes a little bit of a turn in that you get diagnosed with brain cancer. Can you, can you bring us into that whole... Mm. Thing?
0: Um, so I'd entered Ironman South Africa and I, I was hoping to give it a good tonk for myself for the first time in many years and started to train for it and I just realized that something was not wrong. was wrong. I was battling to any kind of distance at all and I went to go and see my neurosurgeon. I'd been diagnosed for a tiny little tumor on my pituitary gland many years before then, but we'd been able to manage it. It was benign. Um, but at this point in time, I think that was the first time I heard the words brain cancer and Richard Wright in the same sentence. So, but I was determined that I was still going to go and do this race because you know surely I don't have brain cancer. You know, I'm an Ironman athlete. My body's always responded well. I've been really lucky like that, and I'm lucky that I can push my body hard and it responds well. Um, I've never really been prone to injuries or anything like that. So I guess you kind of feel that you are invincible, and yeah. you know, surely not me. So I was determined to still do the race. Um, and between Christmas Day and race day, so three and a half months, I uh, only managed one swim, about 950 meters. Uh, I did 10 um, cycles, nothing more than 100 k's on the bike. Yeah. And 12 runs, nothing more than 12.2 kilometers run uh, training for the Ironman. And I think it just became an incredibly important thing for me to do because I believed that if I could do that, if I could get to the finish line of that event, there's no way that I had brain cancer. Okay. So I was booked in for a lumbar puncture five days after the race you can not determine a brain cancer from a blood test because of the blood brain barrier and unfortunately the news was was bad and i went straight into theater to have the tumor removed yes so at that point i was pretty confident the, the surgeon was quite confident that he got it all but i went in for routine radiation about two months later and then we found out at that point that the cancer had already spread um and at that point in my life i was given six months to live um so uh, uh, even looking back now, it's just that, that that incredible sense of disbelief and shock and horror that this this can't be me. Surely this is not me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and your yeah, massive t- turmoil, and I guess it's really hard not to become a victim of something like that when your whole li- life is turned upside down, and the disruption and the the anguish. And I'm, I've am i never, uh, throughout the four years I've been fighting brain cancer, I've never once been scared of dying i see it's just a change in your living circumstances and you're no longer living anymore but yeah, yeah. the thing i fear the most is losing my you know, my two little girls losing their dad yeah. um that is it um and i think in, in terms of that journey i was prepared to do anything and everything i possibly could to number one survive the cancer number two prove to my two little girls that their dad was going to be okay yes and that's where iron man came in again
1: all right. So Iron Man, in a sense, just that 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 need to test yourself athletically was was a way of, of of putting your body through something, and in a sense, sending a message to the cancer to go, "I'm I'm, I'm not just going to settle down and die."
0: Correct. Yeah. So, so um, Iron Man has it's quite a weird one for me, Mike. Um, Iron Man was always my. Um, I was labeled as a wimp and a crybaby when I was a kid. I was bullied mercilessly um, in primary school, and I really had a rough ride. Uh, it was tough. And the bicycle became my means of escape. Um, I was bullied so much that I, you know, as soon as the school bell went, I ran to the bike sheds. And if I could get to my bike first and, and get away, mm. uh, I wouldn't get bullied. And if I wasn't in time, I'd have to hide in the school until the bullies went home, and then I was Is able to ride so? home. Okay. But So the bike has always been that sense of my um it's been an escape and it's been part of my journey and I think Ironman for me in fact I'll never forget the first one um I I hadn't been training much at all I'd taken a bit of a break from from triathlon almost six years and after about three and a half months of training I entered the Ironman I think 50th overall and it was a real wow I I can do this I'm definitely not a wimp and a crybaby I can actually be quite hardcore yeah um and so I think I think yes, you're 100 percent correct. It, it's always it's been my tool to number one prove to myself that I can beat brain cancer. If I can do this thing, then I can do that. We do hard things because it enables us to do harder things. Yes, and then it's been my way of, of saying to my kids, listen, if Dad can do that, he's not he's not going to die from brain cancer. Yeah, um, and, and that's the mental part of it that I think is so important. Dad. And I think that Iron Man, I, I, I think the fourth discipline of Iron Man is is the mental um, tenacity and, and resilience uh, by a long way. So, so that has been, that's been what it is for me. So, so in all of that time, I think you'll do anything. I know I would do anything to try and beat the cancer. But one of those things was, I, I need to do something for me. And I know that even, even if I could just get out of the front door and walk around the block, I'm doing something that is going to get me to a finish line somewhere. And that finish line isn't cancer. Yeah. Um, and that was big for me. So then I entered another Ironman and, um, with stage four brain cancer and against everybody's um, advice or there's not a single doctor or surgeon that said you know we think you should do it they all said the opposite um, almost all of my friends and family exactly the same thing in fact a lot of them told me I was stupid but for me it was a case of um, a dnf is a lot worse than a dns so yeah. it did not finish uh, that's okay it's okay to get a dnf it yeah. means that you gave your best shot and and I, I towed the line on that day thinking I, if if I can just Get through some of the swim if I can. Ju- if I can just, I, I just need to get a to line and start this thing, and that's enough for me. Yeah. Um, yes, obviously I wanted to finish, but that was enough because the DNS did not start. That's way bigger for me. Um, and yeah, the finishing, I think, is one of the most triumphant, victorious days of my life. Crossing the finish line, my two little girls were there. And, uh, they met me at the finish line, and put the medal around my neck. Um, that's a moment I'll never, ever, ever forget. It th- what that did for me. And yes, I know that from a physical point of view, maybe I put my body under more strain, but I reckon the, the, the mental is worth far more than anything physical.
1: It's amazing because you, you've got your, your sort of one where you're beating some of the world's best athletes, and that is an achievement in itself. And then you've got another one where you literally don't even know if you're going to finish the swim. And, and, and getting to the finish of that is actually the bigger accomplishment than your best Ironman time ever. Correct. Yeah.
0: And Mike, I think what that is for me is, is, and I think all of us over this time with COVID have had to learn that uh, so often I hear people saying, I just wish I could go back to normal. When are we going to go back to normal? Yeah. And and I totally get that. And as, you know, somebody with with a prognosis, six months prognosis, you can take a pen and cross off a a date on your calendar and that that is, that is, that is my, that's my end date. The
1: death day. It's,
0: It's huge. That, that feeling is, I just wish I could go back to Richard before cancer, but you can't. And, yeah. and none of us in this pandemic can go back to anything that resembles what we believed to have been normal. And what is yes. normal anyway, just what your life is at that point in time. Exactly. But I think that's, I had to let go. Um, and, and, you know, I think one of the defining moments for me, Mike, was one of the runs that we had over that time, building up to that Ironman. And you introduced me to the, the, the concept of a more fatty. Sure yeah. You remember that Latin, love your fate or embrace your fate, Frederick and that really has been a very big. Um, that was a very big pivotal moment for me, Mike, um, yeah. in that understanding that. Um, I had to stop, actually, had to stop fighting cancer. I think what happens is the more we fight something, whether it's COVID 19, whether it's lockdown regulations, rules, whether we think they're nonsensical or not, doesn't matter. When we're fighting these things that we are held hostage by, I think we become more of a victim of that thing. And there is, as you know, a massive. Power in accepting the things that you can't change and saying, okay, that is what it is, yes. and yeah. trying to figure out what is that I can change. Yeah, and that's what it was for me. I had to, I had to accept the fact that I was never going to go back to being Richard, the normal pre-cancer Richard, elite athlete, um, and I had to let go of that. Um, and if I couldn't let go of that, there's no way I could do another Iron Man with brain cancer because I couldn't compete the way I was used to competing. It, it, I had to embrace the new normal, um, which was just what it was at that point in time. And I think the other thing we get – so we get trapped in the middle between – this the old normal that we want to go back to and the new normal the fear of what is coming the unknown am i going to die what's going to happen to my body what's going to happen to my girls am i going to you know the treatments what's going to happen and you get trapped in that space where actually you're not living at all because you got the fear of the one side and you've got the 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 just wanting to go back to the other side um and i think it was uh, Toll said um you can you can you can neither suffer your past nor your future because they are but a memory and your imagination yeah and that really is exactly what it is all you have is this present moment that's it um and that's what i embraced with the iron man is to say that's all i had was now um and a lot of people ask me richard how on earth did you get through a full iron man with stage four brain cancer and it's quite a cool answer, um, the same way everybody else did. There were no special rules for the cancer guy. There was no shortened yes. distance because I had Swim cancer. Swim to the or, first
1: point.
0: That's, that's exactly <laughs> what it is, you know. Yeah. And and every single person doing something like that, every single person getting through COVID-19, every single person getting to the other side of lockdown, is doing it the same way everybody else does, and that's one day at a time. But it's what you do with that time um, that really means something. And to me, that, that's what it was. My focus was on my thinking and um on what i could do with that thinking and the thinking for me was what what are the actions what is this thing i need to do that is going to help me inside my head yes and that yes. Definitely, definitely was iron
1: man okay iron man and then know your why that sort of niche sort of thing if your why is big enough you can cope with almost anything absolutely and your why was your girls to to show them that you could overcome this. Um, had you died some stage after that they would have had well they do in any case have this legacy to remember back um because we're all going to die so at some stage they're going to look back at this and go he he overcame and um that's to give them that courage to go into the future themselves
0: So, so there's a lot of that and the other part of that is um so i'm divorced and my girls are with me half the time and they're with their mom half the time and um, they get very different things from different parents and that's amazing, I think, we, that's, you know, we all do. Um, but I've had to look very hard and say, okay, what is my role in their lives as a dad who is somebody who's very different to their mom? What do I bring to the party? Mm. And I think for me, a lot of that is how we deal with obstacles and how we deal with challenges, how we, how we show up, how not to be a victim, how to overcome, yeah. um, and how to, and emotional intelligence, because that's the, that's, this is the box that I've been placed into, which is Ken's brain cancer. This is the prognosis, this is the diagnosis. Um, and this is what I can eat, this is what I can't eat, this is what I can drink, this is what I can't drink, this is what I can exercise, what I can't. And, and you're probably thinking right now, this, this seems quite familiar to me now because those are the rules, regulations, and restrictions that the government have placed on us in this box called COVID-19. Yeah. You know, and, and either we can accept the finite thinking of what this box is and and fight against that, or we emotional intelligence is saying, okay, hold on two seconds, how can I... Look to the other side of that, and that's the power of infinite thinking. Yeah, and that is the slogan of Iron Man that says anything is possible. Yes, um, and that really was it. Is if, if I can do this thing, then what? What am I capable of? Yes, and I think that that's a b- very big driving force for me with my girls is to show them how how that works and how that happens. Um, and then the other thing too is for myself. As much as I, you know, my reason is my why, my girls. The reason then the why behind the iron man for me was totally me it was you know people I, i'll never forget somebody phoned me up and said to me richard and and somebody who knows my whole history with iron man i said Richard, what are you doing you've got nothing to prove to anybody yes. who are you trying to prove this to yeah and i said but this has got nothing to do with anybody this is all about me the only yeah. person i need to prove anything to me is me and and i'm proving to myself that if i can do that thing damn it i can
1: be Brain cancer. So the course record was in the past, but this is living in the now, which is why you want to continue to to challenge yourself. Now we kind of went up the you know if you think of a roller coaster, we kind of go up to this height where you um, do incredibly well in full Ironman, you break course record in half Ironman, then this roller coaster plunges down. You get diagnosed with cancer then the roller coaster comes up again because you get declared cancer free just take me through what all happened there
0: okay so um we've skipped a bit here so so essentially <laughs> <laughs> there's a whole lot so so essentially that first year before the so the first iron man i did um, i had brain cancer and i didn't know it so i finished there and i finished i think in eleven twenty, Um and that was, that was that was massive and then the brain op Radiation, cancer spread already, six months to live. Um, and then later that year, I we went into remission for the first time as only uh, um, one of about 120 people on this planet that have ever survived from a,
1: that sort of pituitary gland cancer. Okay.
0: Yeah. So that was massive. It was a huge celebration and take that cancer. Yeah. You know, Iron Man won cancer, nothing. Yeah. And it was great. Um, and then February the next year, the cancer came back. And um, it was harder the second time. Uh, um, so I, I, the way I equate this with people when I speak at the moment is to say, well, you know, remember right at the beginning, about 103 days ago now, um, we were told it was 21 days lockdown. And you're yeah. like, and you're kind of getting to the end of 21 days, you're starting to celebrate and it's like, oh yeah, I made it, got yeah. out of, Biggest party you know, ever. this is, staycation, <laughs> we, yeah. it was, wet. and then all of a sudden, no, sorry guys, we've got a bit of an extension here. I mean, I'm not entirely sure how long it's going to be, but sorry, you know, back to lockdown. Yeah. Uh, we level level five four three. At that point in time we were told we were level four, but it was level four point nine five oh, I think. Yeah.
1: Just as and the smokers were getting ready to go back exactly to, really to spawn, yeah. get some cigarettes. And <laughs> it feels worse. It feels so much worse. It's
0: kind <laughs> of like, Oh my goodness, I know what it took out of me the first time. How on earth do I do this again? You yeah. know? I was ready for twenty one days. Now, wow, this has got a it's an unended time frame. And that was hard. And that's when I entered another Iron Man and um And then you mentioned 361. So literally, I did Iron Man for Iron Man and. Two weeks later, I got gifted an entry for 361. Yeah. I, hadn't, I hadn't touched a mountain bike for almost two years. And I thought, oh, well, this is great. I didn't even really know what it was. How difficult can this be? <laughs> How hard? <laughs> I didn't have a clue that we started in the evening and then we <laughs> went right through the night. And we had I was so underprepared. But you know what? It, there's that feeling of, uh, I had my chain broke a couple of times and I'm useless with mechanical stuff on a mountain bike. And it was just, wow, but we finished in 23 hours. And it was... Again, it was like, oh, if I can do that. And then, the week after that, I, I entered. I got. A, I got an entry for, or well, two weeks after, they got an entry for half Ironman at Sun City. And then that same week, I got a gifted an entry for Sony to see. And there was that apocalyptic year, and it just rained, it rained and sideways wind and freezing cold. And more than sixty percent of that entire field for the pro race for that for for the, the starting to see bailed. Um so to to, to finish amongst like only forty percent. And I still, I'll never forget this. I felt like a bit like a an evangelist. On the worst day, the middle day, uh, my partner and I Nelson were were trudging along through the sludge and the mud and this rain. And every time we passed another bunch of riders, a couple of riders you know, we always ask the question so how's it going you guys right? and all, the answers are all the same It's like oh, that was so bad oh. and then I would pop in and say oh, guys just think about this for a second would you have left your house if it was raining like this, just to go on a training ride? not yeah. obviously, like, no, you're mad. Would you have left your house if it was cold like this? No, training indoors. Would you left if it was windy like this? No. You'd be like, wow, isn't this amazing? What a privilege. Here you are, this, you know, bragging rights for life. And that, you know, this is nothing for me, nothing compared to going through cancer and the treatments and everything. And then look at me as if you're a little bit touched, you know, what the hell is wrong with you? Yeah. I think that's what it is. You know, you've, we've got an opportunity in this life to either get sucked under by, by the elements and by whatever it is that is, that is facing us or as an opportunity to say okay I've survived absolutely everything I've ever encountered in my life, I've been through worse and um, I'm going to get through this, what on earth makes me think I won't so why would I want to struggle to get through it, why don't I just actually make the most of it
1: just embrace that yeah.
0: love your fate, embrace the, your fate, amorfati. it's exactly it's that. that
1: Yeah, I can remember we did uh, one of the answers, and it was I think the second coldest trance I've ever done, we got over the ridge about to move down into Jeffrey's Bay. So it's ice cold, it's at night, and um, you've been in the Karoo, and we didn't even know it was pouring with rain in Jeffrey's Bay, and we just went over, and all I remember was this driving rain coming straight toward us, and I can remember on the bike just taking my glasses off because you couldn't see a thing with the rain, and I can remember just weeping with laughter, just going, could this thing throw anything more? At us than what it's doing. Mm. And I think at times you've just got to go, this is what it is. You know, the race with a lot of wind, you're not going to get your PB, but embrace the wind and just put your head down and smile and go, this is just fantastic. I I so so relate to that.
0: So one of the races I did um, later that year was Ironman Wales. That's it. And I only entered that race because it's one of the two hardest Ironman races on the planet. Yes. Um, And I thought, wow, that's it. I'm I'm, going to seek out the hardest things I can do because every single time, obviously, the same thing with your trance race. Um, And that is... To date, the hardest physical challenge I've ever done. I honestly didn't think I was going to make that road. You haven't
1: studied Welsh, have you?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I studied a lot of swear words on that day. <laughs> Man, in Welsh. yes, it was tough. <laughs> and. To to know that that was the worst conditions that that ever had. Yeah. And my time was one of the slowest races I've ever had on my own. It was a 12, 30 or something like that. But yet I still finished. I look back at the results the other day and I still finished in the top 15% of all the people. Yeah. And you kind of think, and then this year uh, or last year, they had a great year. The weather was amazing. And there's that little thing inside of you that's like, oh, you might have done Iron Man Wells, but you didn't do Iron Man Wells the way I, I did. did. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And that's what it is. That's yeah. that, that's that bragging rights. It's that, there's it's it's that feeling of, and that's what it does for us. And so, so, I mean, I, I've thought about this a lot, a lot over the last four years, Mike, um, so later that year, I went into remission for the second time, and I didn't celebrate it as much because you know remission is 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 not okay. We you're never going to go back. It's never going to come back. Yeah. Um. And, and I think that's the same thing with COVID-19. Even if you get a vaccine, it's not like COVID-19 is gone. It's always yeah. going to be around. You're always going to make sure that you are okay against this thing. You, you you're never going to be safe. And and the analogy I use is a uh, you know raw egg balancing on the end of a table, edge of a table, and anything can happen, and the egg's going to tumble off. Yes. Um. So what's different to my life if I'm in remission compared to your life, you know? I sat there on one day, in fact, I recorded a little video um, that said I'm terminal, um, but yet so were you, you yes. know, b- stage four brain cancer. Um, what if I get hit by a bus and I die, bus accident, or I get shot, or, or um, have a heart attack? Yeah. Um, at that point in time, if I had to die with stage four brain cancer for any other reason but brain cancer... I die a cancer survivor. Um, so I learned to live my life as if I had already survived brain cancer. Um, and that was, um, I think it's, it's a bit of mental gymnastics, but it's, it's a choice. So throughout the years, going through treatments and chemos, um, and I've had more than 89, I think it is, chemo treatments over the last four years. But sitting there on drip and you watch people come through and as the person as the patient comes through the door I can tell you where that person is whether that person is a cancer victim or a cancer survivor purely by their demeanor and the look in their eyes okay. and and that is a choice and all the doctors will tell you that and I think that's about anything in life really is that we all have a choice and 50% of overcoming a terminal disease is your attitude towards it and what you believe within mm. yourself mm. Um, and how you live your life and 50% is the treatment and the doctors can only handle and influence the one half and they'll all tell you if they could influence the other the results would be way better yeah that doesn't mean that everybody who has an amazing attitude and um, is a cancer survivor is going to survive the disease It's it's a shitty disease but every single one of them are going to confound the doctors, live a better quality of life and live longer than, you know, than they were told they were going to. Yeah. And that is a choice. And I think that to a large extent, that's what the choice that every endurance athlete makes is, um, the choice I make is how I live my life and how I choose to live my life. And I'm living it on my terms and I'm yeah. going to push my body and I'm going to, to do things that other people look at and go like, wow. Um, and I think, I think I, what that does, you know, if, every single one of the specialists said the same. If we could pick one person who would be least likely to get this form of cancer, it would be you. Yes. And I'm like, okay, great. That's nice. Um, and then they turn around and say, but if we could pick one person who we think is most likely to overcome it, it would also be you. Yeah. And it's like, well, that also doesn't really help me, but okay. Um, and I think that that's years and years and years of pushing myself and knowing the boundaries of my body and knowing that that I can overcome all sorts of odds. Um, so I'm incredibly thankful for a, a history of endurance sport. Yes.
1: So in, in a sense, um, an Ironman or a Comrades or a 361 or whatever it is, I mean, for some people, literally an endurance sport is a 10-kilometer race. Mm-hmm. Because they've had to overcome so much that 10Ks is at the far end of, of, of what they can achieve. That almost becomes like a microcosm of life. You're sitting at the start line and you're realizing that if you haven't got resilience and a belief in yourself um, and that ability to go one kilometer to the next kilometer to the next mark, you're not going to make it. Um, and I think that that's where your story is so profound, is these, the, 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 uh, the sort of parallels between sport and, and and resilience and getting over a disease like that.
0: So, so I, that's a great analogy, Mike. And I'm going to take it one step further and say that um, I always say to people that the, the hardest part of an Ironman is not the race. Not even close. It's not the distance of the race. It's not putting a 3.8-kilometer swim and a 180-kilometer cycle and a 42.2-kilometer run together in 17 hours it's not that Mm, mm. um that's actually really easy Mm. because you've prepared for it you have trained for it you're mentally prepared your nutrition is all sorted you've got your your supporters on the side of the road cheering for you the roads are packed with people there no cars in the road there's a red carpet there's music there's announcers it's you you couldn't possibly have an easier opportunity to do this sort of thing the hard part is the eight nine months beforehand middle of winter in johannesburg um, leaving your home in the dark, going for a 10K run, coming home and it's still dark, your hands are frozen, your cheeks are blood red, you've got snot icicles hanging from your nose yeah. um, and then you still got to go in the middle of winter, put on a speedo and go into a gym pool and swim and then you do do a, a, a cycle in the evening once your kids are asleep and it's dark and that's the hard part and yeah. that's resilience. But uh, and I think the other part is it's, it's it's so, so, so mental and the same thing with, with overcoming cancer is that and you know this to be true. So, so if I go and do a 7K run, and, um, and I only plan to do a 7K run, towards 5Ks, I'm thinking, sure, okay, I'm feeling a little bit tired now. Two more Ks. Come on, Richard, hang in there. Yeah. And then I finish it, and I'm like, sure, okay, done, 7Ks. And then I, I think to myself, wow, in three months' time, I've got to do an Ironman, and, and it's not 7Ks. It's <laughs> all of this other stuff. And after all the other stuff, I've got to do a 42K. Yeah. 0.2 kilometer run yeah. how on earth but you didn't plan to do a 42.2 kilometer run that day you only planned to do yes. a 7k run yeah. and, and that's what happens it's all mental but every time you, you, you overcome and get to the finish line of, of whatever those little distances are you put something into the bank um, into that mental bank and that's really what it is it's how many of those little things you put into a bank and that adds up and, and that's a word um, I only learned about a year ago an amazing word accretion an accretion an accretion ring in space is an incredibly colorful ring around a black hole mm. and that ring is caused by light reflecting off of billions and billions of tiny little particles in in space and um on their own the particles mean nothing but um, accretion is the act of layering like layers and layers and layers and layers of and layers mm. these little dust particles mm. um, and that amounts to something massive and i think that's that that's for all of us. That's the human struggle. Is is the accretion of what are those layers that we build, and that's that's what resilience is. It's building those little layers of little things that you do. And I think the Man as well. You look at the finish line, and if you start the race thinking of the finish line, mind blown. You're just never going to get there. It's too yeah. long. Yeah. And that was the same with the cancer journey, where there isn't actually a finish line, um, but you know you've got to keep on moving forward and keep on moving forward, doing those little things. And all I can control is today. And that was, a, that was a big thing that I learned um, yes. was the power of just today, the power of now. Now. The, yeah. That's actually all it is.
1: And I think in the race, for me, it's, it's the same thing. You know, I've always said when it comes to the swim, just swim to the first boy. Don't worry about the 3.8K swim. It's too much mentally to get through. Turn that first boy and try and get to the next one. Um, and it's the same thing on on, on a long distance run. Um, you know, just go from kilometer twenty five and get to twenty six. Just focus on that 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 one kilometer. I'm really, really hoping that somebody is listening to this and kind of thinking, I've booked for a half Ironman or, or comrades or maybe a fifty. Uh, what is it a 5150 or or 70.3 and they really are panicking now just realize you've just got to get the next training session done same thing with a a cancer fighter your biggest thing is get through today
0: correct Um, and that's it so I'm going to add one thing to that Mike Um, and this is the interesting thing not so much about comrades but about any of the 70.3 is the full Ironman there are very few people that don't finish the race very few yeah. Um, you've got more than enough time to do it in. But I think what prevents more people from doing it is the expectations we have in ourselves. Yeah. And the expectation is, I want to do this thing in five hours. Yeah. And then the amount of training, we look back and we say, well, I haven't really done enough training to do it in five hours. Well, eh, I'm not going to go and do it. Yeah. Um, that's really what it is. So the expectations we, we place in ourselves, and if our expectations were, I just want to finish this thing, yes. it doesn't matter how long it takes me. I just want to see the finish line. Yeah. I think more people would do it. And I think it'd be less pressure on ourselves. Exactly. And again, that was me from the cancer. It was like, yeah, I don't want to look at a finish line. It's that's, it's too big. It's too much. I just need to get through this. Um, And that, that was big for me. So, so my message to anybody out there is just get to the start line and you'll be amazed. In fact, with an Ironman, what I know for a fact is you could probably do breaststroke for the entire uh, swim distance, yes. still make swim the cutoff. cutoff yeah. You could climb onto a mountain bike and, and pedal, I think, it's, I think it worked it out once, about 22.6 or 22.7 k's an hour for 180 k's, yeah. which is really pedestrian, yeah. and you will still make the cutoff.
1: Yeah.
0: And then you say, Well, Richard, now I've got to go and run a marathon. No, nobody said you had to run it. Yes. Um, the rules say you can run, you can walk, you can crawl, but just mo- keep moving forward. Yeah. You can actually walk the entire marathon and still make it yeah. within 17 hours. And then the other thing, uh, uh, I've never tested this theory myself, but uh, I know it to be true. Um, If you had to cross the finish line in 1654, number one, you've just wasted six minutes of a very expensive entry fee. And number two, you've missed the opportunity to be the last person across the line. Because what I can tell you is when that last person comes across the line at midnight... There's a damn party. The celebration's bigger than the winner. Exactly. And the winner comes back. Okay, (laughs) nicely showered and everything, but the winner comes back to congratulate the last person to cross the line. And... In the Highlights movie, the person who comes last gets more coverage than the person who comes first. Yeah. Why would you not want that to be you? Why yeah. would you want to go for a 15 hour when you could do a 1659 and come last?
1: You know, it, that, it's just how we give choose. us a call, we can tell you how slow you need to move, exactly. we can do the
0: maths for you. Exactly. <laughs> and that yeah. and that to me is it's it's about it's everything in life. Yeah. It's it's how you choose to think about the things that are going to determine your ultimate yeah. outcome.
1: Cool. Richard, thanks so much. Resilience, we're in this together. We can't wait to see you cross that red line or to cross the uh, line of the comrades. And uh, thank you very much for your time.
0: Thank you very much, Mike. Thanks for having me.